everyone. Welcome to our episode of In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. I am Ishita Borua, the founder and today's host of this podcast episode. Hi everyone, I am Sonal Sinha, an Indian IP attorney, the co-head of the IPR vertical of this podcast and the co-host of today's episode. Today, we have Carolina Denise Panzolini Ma'am with us. Carolina Ma'am is an international consultant and professor of copyright and intellectual property at United Nations WIPO, World Intellectual Property Organization, in an IPIT attorney licensed to practice law in Brazil and Portugal. For over 20 years, she has worked as a lawyer attorney with 20 years of experience, extensive work in international organizations such as UN, and in the copyright, intellectual property, and corporate area in Europe, USA, Brazil, and Latin America. In addition, she has worked with companies and governments in order to expand the legal debate and international treaties on intellectual property, copyright, entertainment, digital data, GDPR, at the national and international levels. She has also worked at New York Copyright Society, Court of Intellectual Property, Palace of Justice of Lisbon, and in the Ministry of Culture, the Citizenship of Brazil, and performed the activities as a Copyright Intellectual Property Director. As a professor, she is inclined towards presentation for universities, IP institutions, and she has professional associations in Brazil, Europe, and in the US. She is also the author of publications of several media books and manuals in the area of copyright and intellectual property. Hello, Carolina, ma'am. Welcome to our podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your uh, invitation. It's an honor to collaborate to exchange perspectives in intellectual property, to teach and to learn very much with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. So um, I want to um, ask you that uh, if you'd let us know about uh, your journey as an international consultant and professor on copyright and IPIT at the United Nations World Intellectual Property Office, uh, your educational journey at King's College London and what led your interest uh, to be inclined towards uh, intellectual property rights? Yes, well, I am a lawyer. I did my undergraduate and master degrees in intellectual property at the University of Brasilia, Brazil. I did a post-graduation in copyright at King's College and I've done uh, numerous specializations in copyright and intellectual property by the WIPO, World Intellectual Property Organization, in partnership with international universities in several countries like Stockholm, Sweden, Spain, and I went to Washington twice. Uh, Nowadays, I am doing a PhD program in Portugal in the field of intellectual property. At WIPO, I work as a a copyright head tutor, a copyright professor at WIPO's academy, and as an international consultant for WIPO 
and I uh, had the opportunity and the honor to uh, develop many national intellectual property uh, strategies for several countries around the world by WIPO. Um, my day-to-day -day routine is 100% concentrated in intellectual property. I teach, I learn, and I, I exchange perspectives uh, every, every single day. This is a very dynamic area. And I am deeply enthusiastic about intellectual property, especially when applied to audiovisual creations. Wow, uh, that is quite an inspirational journey and a career that you have, ma'am. So, ma'am, we all know the importance of copyright registrations for filmmakers. How does this process work and what benefits can filmmakers gain from registering their works with copyright offices? Great, great question. First of all, one uh, brief introduction. Intellectual property and copyright is in the core are in the core of these cultural and creative industries. So the whole process of registering creations protected by copyright generates legal certainty, transparency, uh, ethics and intellectual honesty. This helps a lot uh, the licensing process of the audiovisual works, the economic uh, rights, the transfer of the economic rights, and all these positive values and uh, guarantees apply to filmmakers in relation to their intellect intellectual works. Even though, this is important to highlight, that even though uh, registration is not requested, is not compulsory, imposed for the purpose of copyright protection, uh, as Berne conventions uh, doesn't impose the registration for intellectual work, it is very, very, very useful, important, and advisable. And I will explain why. In fact, registra uh, registration provides more legal certainty for the author of the work, firstly, because it will generate a relative uh, presumption of authorships. It seems that the author of the work is the one who formalized the registration. registration. Uh, the registration will indicate a time frame for the creation of the work. In other words, it will identify the time and period of which the work was created. This information will be very useful if someone claims authorship of a work that is yours. In other words, if you have the registry, uh, registration, it will be easier for you to prove, to provide uh, documents that you produced the work before the other claimant. The exact place or the exact uh, body to register will depend to register the intellectual work will depend on the nature of this uh, creation. If it is an audiovisual, literally musical or architectural work, for example, they will be there will be a specific destination and a competent body to formalize the registration. 
apart from the aspects presented that I of, uh, that I've already mentioned, it is always always good to remember the strength of the, docu the documents, uh, the documentary evidence in any legal dispute or administrative discussion. The registration, as it is uh, a documentary evidation, is always recommended and fully adv advisable as it usually has more force than testimonial evidence. It is important to clarify as well that registration is not absolute. Maybe you can have other arguments. Uh, it does not mean that once registered, there is 100 total certainty that the person who registered the intellectual work will be considered the author. But it is very, very important to highlight. It can be said that the registration produces a important presumption of authorship. It means that unless there is a proof of the contrary, the person that provided the registration is the author. So I would like to conclude that in all the these uh, audiovisual system and community related to audiovisual intellectual works, the registration provide important uh, provide important values like legal certainty, transparency, ethics, intellectual work, and all these values will uh, provide more um, more transparency to the uh, uh, economic uh, economic rights transfer. So it is very recommended and very important to register to uh, register all the intellectual works and provide uh, solid documents related to the to the audiovisual creations. So uh, I repeat that registration is very important to generate a minimum of security for intellectual works, their respective authors to their respective authors and right holders. Um, thank you, ma'am. Uh, that was very informative. Um, and um, moving on to the next question. Um, intellectual property rights play a crucial role in the entertainment industry. Uh, Ma'am, can you uh, explain the potential challenges faced by filmmakers and pro uh, producers when it comes to securing trademarks and copyrights for their on-screen creations? Sure. Potential challenges for challenges for my, in my opinion, are still concentrated in education. Uh, training, awareness, um, so all the aspects that are necessary to consolidate a culture in intellectual property. The areas of knowledge that make up intellectual property play a strategic and fundamental role in the development of the creative industries. Intellectual property uh, is in the core of this cultural and 
this uh, creative industry. So an understanding of the basic as concepts and education on the subject provide relevant information for members of the intellectual property ecosystem and the respective creative economic chains. This is an absolutely cross-cutting and interdisciplinary area with a broad spectrum of coverage and reper repercussions on the daily lives of entrepreneurs, students, researchers, and those interested in the subject. Access to training in intellectual property helps to empower the negotiating capacity of creators and right holders to generate legal certainty uh, for the creative and innovation ecosystem, to contribute to social peace in terms of the economic duties of collecting and distributing uh, property rights, and to restructure a fairer, more transparent and ethical system. So I think the potential challenges still concentrate themselves in the necessity of more education, more training, more awareness in intellectual property in all around the, the globe. But I truly believe that we are advancing. Thank you for answering that, ma'am. Uh, our ne next question is, collaborating between creators and organizations like WICO and SISAC can significantly impact the protection of intellectual property rights in the film industry. Could you share some success stories or examples where such collaborations have made a notable difference for filmmakers? Yes, for, for sure. This kind of uh, partnership between WIPO and many, many organizations, this kind of partnership is very, very important. And I would like to highlight uh, WIPO's role in education, dissemination of information and access to intellectual property. Um, I, would, I would point out many aspects that would collaborate. First of all, the free publications made available by WIPO in this, on the site wipo.int, including materials with specific information for cultural and creative economic chains, authors and right holders, as in the case of audiovisuals. So there are many, many uh, available materials, free materials, uh, specific, specifically in, in each chain value, value in each uh, creative and cultural area. For example, audiovisuals, films, movies, there are very, very good uh, materials uh, with high quality that we can access and learn a lot. I would like to point out as well the numerous training courses offered by WIPO in partnership uh, with universities, organizations representing cultural and creative sectors and collective management entities. This kind, as I said, this kind of partnership uh, is very important and crucial for the whole intellectual property system because provides 
uh, education, information, awareness, uh, disseminate the the topic, uh, the hot topics around intellectual property, and I highly, I truly recommend everybody to to uh, study and to access the material and to attend the programs. Me myself, I had the opportunity to attend many train trainings uh, programs around the globe, um, and they were results of they were result of partnership between WIPO and, for example, universities uh, in United States, uh, coll uh, collective management entities in Spain, um, office in Sweden. So I truly recommend and I think it's a, a great way to qualify the intellectual property debate in the world. Um, thank you, ma'am, for explaining uh, the positive impact uh, with uh, WIPO and the way uh, how if you integrate with a WIPO, uh, many great things can happen. Uh, ma'am, uh, with the uh, uh, advent of new distribution models and online platforms, uh, global audiences now have easier access to films. Uh, how does this affect the enforcement of intellectual property rights, especially when dealing with uh, potential copyright infringement across the international borders? This is a great question. The advent and development of the internet together with the proportion of artificial intelligence has generated effects on a much larger scale and at a much faster rate. It is a logical, it is logical that there is a much greater dissemination of audiovisual intellectual works, but there is, on the other hand, a proportional challenge in terms of monitoring and tracking down counterfeit works. So, in one hand, we have, of course, uh, very positive effects. Uh, considering the internet development, but on the other hand, we have many, many aspects that are challenging ourselves around the world because it's, of course, very, very challenging, very difficult to track, to monitor, to enforce uh, intellectual property rights uh, related to audiovisual around the world. So the development of the digital environment has led to a significant concentration of intellectual works under new business models and streaming platforms, for example, that we, that everybody knows. In other words, the economic chains of various intellectual works are being adapted to the digital environment and new technologies which make the respective collection and distribution of copyright even more challenging. Enforcement compliance mechanisms for the protection of intellectual property must, must, I highlight, be a priority as a strategy and the related measures are increasingly complex and challenging considering the digital environment. But I would like to point out as a conclusion of this question that 
Enforcement is something that countries must, enforcement in IP is something that countries must consider as a, as a priority because uh, it, the respect of intellectual property provides uh, legal certainty, ethics, collaborate with the economic growth of that country and the preservation of cultural identity. So uh, enforcement in IP rights is should be a, a priority for all countries around the world. Right. Uh, I completely agree with the pace at which technology is growing. I think enforcement and protection also needs to pick up speed and be at the top priority along with advancements. Uh, my question is beyond copyright, what other forms of intellectual property protection are crucial for filmmakers and how can they utilize these mechanisms effectively to safeguard their creative works from script to the screen? First of all, all areas of intellectual property are systemic and can coexist as long as their legal requirements are respected. Audiovisual work is a great example of uh, an intellectual work that gathers many, many rights related to intellectual property and not related to intellectual property. Uh, I would mention, uh, first of all, trademarks. First of all, I would mention copyright, of course. And copyright, we can mention the author's right and the neighboring rights as well. And, and then I could mention trademarks, which is other right that um, is very, very used and very common in the audiovisual intellectual works in the, all the value chain. So all other uh, sectors uh, related as well, for example, computer programs that are uh, copyrightable normal, normally, the patents, if you consider the technologies uh, used in the creation of an audiovisual work, we can consider as well traditional knowledge, sometimes uh, they, uh, the, the directors the producers exploit this theme as well. So all these rights are related to intellectual property and not inside the intellectual property umbrella can be observed in audiovisual works. Other uh, rights as um, data protection, the digital rights, uh, the right uh, related to marketing as well. So there are rights that are not under the IP umbrella, but they are very connected to intellectual pro property. So to cope with such responsibility, the, all these rights, the paperwork, which includes all intellectual property documentation, it is necessary to form part of a clear and cleared chain of title. Uh, the chain of title is kind of an international passport for these audiovisual works. So it is a, a block of all these rights 
that were uh, already checked and so it was uh, it was made the compliance of these rights in the past so this starts at, at the very beginning of the filmmaking process reconstructing copyright documentation is difficult and often impossible if not well handled earlier in the life of a film property. So the cut, the chain of title, documentation is essentially a passport, a passport, as I told you, that allows a film to enter the international marketplace, a baseline document that will open the door. So it, it is highly, highly recommended to provide solid documentation with the, the proof of the rights. Uh, the audiovisual industry is day by day becoming more and more professional, uh, formalized and digital. So it's necessary to provide all the necessary documentation to, to have legal certainty and ethics in the whole ecosystem. Uh, Ma'am, uh, as there have been advent of uh, the culture of memes, so um, I want to ask you, can uh, memes that are created through movie stills, um, uh, you know, movie stills and everything, uh, can violate copyright laws? And how can this issue be resolved? This is a very interesting uh, question because there are uh, relevant economic impact and many, many careers nowadays are uh, connected to memes uh, production. Um, what I can say at the very beginning of my answer is that it will depend, of course, in the copyright system that the country is inserted and the national laws. Uh, for many, many countries, there are the possibility to use the fair use to uh, produce memes without having any kind of issue, any kind of problem with the authors. So for many countries, there, there is the fair use uh, solution, there is the fair deal solution, there are exceptions and limitations that allow that allow people to use memes without any kind of problem. But what what I can say is that first of all, for a meme to be considered an intellectual work writable, it it has to to be and has to to be observed. Uh, originality, creativity, artistic and aesthetic aspects in these memes. So it is not any kind of meme that is considered copyrightable. Uh, other aspect, other important aspect is that there are memes that uh, have copyright aspects, but as well the, they have image uh, image of people, so it will be other kinds of rights as well as uh, personality rights, image rights, dignity of person involved. So there are other aspects that could and should be considered. Uh, if 
in your country, in your jurisdiction, there is no uh, possibility to insert the meme uh, uh, use in the fair use case, in the fair dealing case, in the exceptions and limitation. I would highly recommend to request authorization if you will uh, provide commercial profits with these memes. If you are just a person using these memes without the commercial uh, profit uh, perspective, I don't. I don't believe that you will. You will uh, have issues, have problems with these memes utilization. What I would highly recommend is to avoid competing with the memes creator ability. Uh, economically profit from their work so i would i would say that in order to uh, for copyright to be infringed memes must have elements of originality and a minimal of creativity as well as being artist and aesthetic so in this case the use of the meme will be legitimated if formal and prior authorization is obtained and moral rights are respected. But if you are, again, in a jurisdiction that you can use the fair use, the fair dealing, exceptions and limitations, and you don't compete commercially with the memes creator, uh, I believe that you are okay to continue to proceed and use the memes without being um, requested to um, to provide the previous authorization. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, I think your answer really clarified the confusion to a great extent. So the que next question is, brand endorsements through movies and TV shows have become increasingly popular. What are some legal and ethical considerations that filmmakers and brands need to be aware of to ensure a smooth and compliant partnership? Perfect. As you said, this is, this is a, a habit that has been increasingly popular. Well, very well done, pointed out. Well, all aspects related to the legal compliance of trademarks, for example, a copyright and as well marketing data protection related to intellectual property and not under the IP umbrella like unfair competition uh, must be observed, produced documents and all the, the comments previously made related to the chain of title applies in this situation. So what I, I want to tell is when, uh, when an audiovisual work has many, many kinds of many different rights related to intellectual property, it's much recommended to provide documents to gather all the documents to provide the, the legal compliance related to each right and to gather uh, everything in this chain of title, which is, as I said, uh, a kind of international passport 
with all the authorizations, the documents related to each right, it will provide all the legal certainty to license this, uh, this product, this audiovisual uh, work um, uh, in, the, in the country and uh, all around the globe. So it's very, very important to gather the, all the authorizations, the documents, and uh, gather everything together to, to use them whenever it's necessary. And indeed, this kind of um, habit brand endorsements is are very very uh, normal usual and increasingly popular nowadays um thank you ma'am for explaining this and uh, as uh, we are already talking about uh, brand endorsement through movies and tvs and you have also explained us the importance of the uh, importance of the passport chain of title and how all the documentation is so uh, important uh, the next question which immediately comes is that uh, successful brand placements can significantly impact the firm's revenue uh, and overall popularity. Uh, Ma'am, could you share some examples of well-executed brand in integration in movies, uh, such as we can see in the case of the very famous Barbie movie um, and its collaboration with Aldo, Fossil, uh, Airbnb, and many more brands. Um, and how can they contribute to the film's success? Very great, uh, very great examples. Um, when we spoke this week, I I started I started remembering some examples like Sex and the City and The Devil Wears Prada, for example. Uh, these are series from a few years ago, which featured numerous numerous well-known designers and shoe brands. Uh, another dimension that I would like to highlight uh, of this series is the use of this city. In, the, in this case, were uh, New York, New York City brand, which became one of the protagonists of the uh, story and considerable boosted tourism in the city, including a tour of the locations used in the series. But yesterday, uh, I was watching a series that I really, really enjoy, which is Lupin in Netflix. Lupin is a French series, and when I started watching the the, the series, um, I observed with my my family that many, many scenes there they there was a concentration in the shoes. There was a part of tennis, which is the Nike Air Jordan. In many scenes, and I uh, immediately uh, observed that this is a, an example, a good example of brand endorsement. Uh, I was reading about this situation, Lupin, Netflix, and Nike. Uh, what the strategic, the marketing strategic of Nike uh, was exactly to choose uh, an audiovisual, a French audiovisual work, a French streaming uh, audiovisual work in a global platform because they wanted to advance in Europe. 
So it's very interesting, very clever, very intelligent together. Audiovisual works and intellectual uh, property. Uh, for example, copyrights, co copyrightable works, trademarks, and so on, because you naturally, um, you, you are exposed to that kind of brands, to that kind of trademarks in a good audiovisual work. Very clever strategy. Right, actually very clever. I mean, uh, Devil Wears Prada and Sex and the City both happen to be my favorite shows and serials. Mm -hmm. I, I can now clearly see how well they marketed all those trademarks and how I have such a happy association with those marks now. In the same context of movies and TV shows, what is the key difference between product placement and brand endorsement and how do they impact the on-screen narrative and viewer perception? Great question. Well, um, there is, this is not a black and white perspective. So sometimes it is a, a little bit tricky to observe the different. So there is no absolutely rigid or pre-established difference circumstance. So a circumstance must be analyzed on a case by case uh, basis but there is a relevant and evident impact on the screen narrative and viewer perception. But the brand endorsement is a channel of brand communication in which a celebrity acts as the brand's spokesperson and certifies the brand's chain and position uh, lay extent his or, and or her personality, popularity in society of uh, or expertise in the field of, of the brand. So I think the, the main aspect of brand endorsement is the use of his or her personality, the, his or her popularity to uh, establish uh, uh, more and more the brand. I would, I would give, for example, exactly Sex and, and, Sex and the City and Sarah Jessica Parker, which is the protagonist of the this series, and her relation with the shoes, the Manolo Blenik shoes. So uh, this is something that is uh, that goes far from the series. It is she used her, uh, her personality to establish more and more this brand. And the product placement is the marketing technique uh, where reference to specific brands or products are incorporated into another work, such as a film or a television program with a specific promotion intent. So I think the one good example for the product placement would be exactly Lupa. Lupin and Nike and the, the way that they inserted the, the models and sometimes we can see very often some beverage like Coca-Cola in some uh, audiovisual scenes. This is very common as well. Uh, Ma'am, uh, like thank you for you know engaging with us uh, with all your answers and your discussions with us. 
uh, since we are uh, nearing to the conclusion of uh, today's podcast uh, the one thing that i really want to ask you that what are the core mottos of your life that you want to tell to the listeners and the students which are who are tuning to us today as you are so learned uh, in the subject of intellectual property right and not only that you are an international consultant and also a professor on copyright and intellectual property uh, at united nations world intellectual property organization not only that you are also an ip and it attorney uh, so i i would really like you to like uh, share with us about your core life mottos and anything that you would want to tell to the listeners sure uh, first of all i think uh, one great message is that art saves us so the possibility to work and live and teach and learn this area of law that provides legal certainty to authors to artists to students is something very important very special in my life specifically audiovisual art is a tool used to tell stories access our emotions transform us and connect us in my life the various artistic expressions related to audiovisuals are very important to me and arouse my deep interest both as a consumer and as an intellectual property lawyer I work in the field of intellectual property as a profound enthusiastic and I'm admirer of the creative and original human capacity as a manifestation of a people's cultural identity. For all those who are interested in the field of intellectual property as this is a, a very dynamic area i suggest that you study and share knowledge on a daily basis because it is a very very interesting um, dynamic and deeply uh, interesting area of legal science so this is this is a, a, a law area intellectual property that we learn every day every single day and of course we can teach we can exchange perspectives we can share knowledge but we have to study every single day uh thank you so much ma'am and i think we all listeners should take note of this uh, mottos uh, and uh, life uh, lessons and experiences from miss carolina panzolini ma'am thank you it was an interesting session uh and ma'am i also hope that you enjoyed this session too of course it was as i told you it it was an honor for me to collaborate and i would like to congratulate you too for this great um initiative this is very important to to provide information collaborate with the intellectual property culture awareness Uh, education so you you too you can be 100% sure you too are doing very well your homework and providing information to many people many countries 
and we this is the only way to qualify the intellectual property debate through education through dialogue and through information thank you so much and cong congratulations thank you so much ma'am it has been an honor for us to have your time as well and uh, thank you for inspiring us today and i would also like like to thank all our listeners for tuning in to today's episode and ma'am it was a pleasure to have you on our podcast and discuss the intellectual property rights from script screen to branding for questions suggestions and recommendations please feel free to contact us on instagram linkedin or twitter this is in conversation with ipr and competitive law see you all soon in the next episode Thank you.